0: And now back to Lifeline with
1: Craig Roberts. We continue our look at life is holy. We certainly see that throughout the entirety of Scripture. We understand that we serve a holy and righteous God that has created each and every one of us in His very own likeness and image. A God that in fact sacrificed His only begotten Son that whomever should believe on Him might be forgiven. And get this, walk in unity and reconciliation with the Father. With that as the foundation of our conversation today, we continue our look at Life is Holy with a discussion concerning the topic of adoption. Now it's interesting, if you look at the topic of adoption, you see that as much as we might think this to sort of be a 20th or 21st century concept unique to the Western world, it in fact has its roots that dates back to Roman times. There was a long period, for example, in Europe in the 15, 16, and 1700s when it wasn't so much adoption, bringing a child into your home and and allowing that child to participate fully within the life of the family as a legal member of the family, as they would perhaps for a season bring children into monastic institutions under something called obligation. That essentially allowed a child, instead of moving into an orphanage, to be adopted into the life of that monastery and engage in ministry at that level in lay life. Of course, we've seen a lot of these concepts that have gone through changes and improvement down through the centuries, so that today in America, uh, we are one of the leading nations engaged in adoption, both domestically and internationally. In fact, the statistics show us last year alone, more than 127,000 children were welcomed into families as adopted sons and daughters. As we develop and explore our topic today, I'm joined by a number of in-studio guests, We have with us the founder of Help One Child, a mission to children at risk, Joanne Morris. And uh, Joanne, great to have you on the program.
2: Thank you. Glad to be here.
1: We're also joined today in studio by Terry Marcroft, who is the founder of Unplanned Good. And uh, Terry, welcome. Thank you very much. And then a return guest, we've got Colleen Marquez with us, who is the Outreach Director in the San Francisco Bay Area on behalf of Bethany Christian Services. And uh, Colleen, good to see you again as well.
3: It's great to see you, and thanks.
1: We talk about adoption and maybe some of the things that we can begin with in our conversation today is to talk a bit about what adoption is and what it isn't. And and, uh, let me start first, uh, Colleen, with you. Folks come into Bethany, I'm sure that they have a lot of preconceived notions. They've got an idea in mind. Maybe they'd like to add to the family. Uh, Maybe they've got a burden on their heart for a child coming in from another area that they feel like they'd like to welcome into their family. Perhaps they're struggling with issues concerning infertility, and they see this as an alternate way to begin their own family. As folks come in, though, in terms of a lot of the misconception about adoption, what are some of the, the big erroneous stories out there that you hear that you have to correct to help kind of put them in the right understanding of what adoption is?
3: Well, a lot of times people are coming in from a long journey of infertility. And so the wound of infertility has brought them the desire to start a family. They want to have children in their home. They want to be parents more than anything else. And uh um, for many people, the medical treadmill is not the way that they want to continue going. So somewhere along the line, God has changed their heart to understand that they could actually love a child that was not their own through adoption. And that's what starts them on this journey of seeking out Bethany's services to adopt. And I would say that's most of, the, most of the times, that's where a family is coming to Bethany because they are longing to start a family. There are those that already have children in their home, and they feel the burden, like you mentioned, on their heart that God is directing them to bring in another child, either from another country or just to provide the, a family for a child
1: that's vulnerable. At a level, given the fact that we have the paradigm of the concept of adoption throughout the New Testament, that we are adopted into the family of God. I mean, this is something certainly from a Christian perspective, from a scriptural perspective that's not really new to believers.
3: No, it's not. And we believe that adoption is really a God thing and that when we are just as God has adopted us, he's grafted us into his family, that adoption for us is a permanent grafting when we bring a child into our home that is a grafting that is more than just a psychological thing that it's actually a spiritual and emotional thing that happens in a family the grafting where that has occurred but the growth and the life that comes out of that is just as vibrant and just as life-sustaining as a biological start to a family
1: Terry Marcroft, talk to us a bit about some of the, the legal definitions here. Uh, people hear adoption, they say, well, you mean like guardianship? Well, what exactly, from the eyes of the law, what exactly is adoption?
4: From the eyes of the law, I think in a nutshell, the simplest explanation I've heard is that in the eyes of a law, once an adoption is finalized, it means that that child, just like any other child, belongs to his or her parents. So
1: they would take on the last name of the family. They would have inheritance rights. The parents would have full rights and obligations. All rights from a parental and responsibilities. responsibility standpoint.
3: That's mm-hmm.
4: great. All rights and responsibilities. They um, even, at least in California, is the area that I know, um, the birth certificate is reissued so that the adoptive parent's name is on the child's birth certificate and the, um, and their name is given to the child as well. So that it's that's their child in every sense of the word.
1: When we think about the legal ramifications of all of this, um, some listening right now have bought houses they know how involved it is, the amount of paperwork that's necessary, the time that's involved. You get out of the title insurance office and you sign papers that are probably four inches thick. Is adoption complicated a lot like that too?
4: I had never thought about that kind of an analogy before, <laughs> but um, definitely there's a lot of paperwork. There's a lot of steps. There's a lot of um, different parts to the journey, but the big difference in my mind is that there's a whole lot more passion mm. that goes with the journey of adopting your child. and. I can speak from experience. I'm an adoptive mom like Colleen is. And just, I mean, the journey has so much passion throughout it. And so much joy when you've got it completed. It's, it, it can't even compare to buying a house. And, and I see the
1: way your, your eyes are lighting up when you're sharing that. And I would imagine many of the mothers eavesdropping on the conversation are saying, Now, wait a minute, Craig, you're a guy. <laughs> don't think for a minute that having a child naturally is all that easy either. There's a lot of work involved in that, sure. too, isn't there? Sure. But there's a tremendous amount of satisfaction, I would suspect. And I can see that from the glimmer in your eye. Mm-hmm. T- tell me briefly, how did you first get involved in becoming or, or or, exploring the idea of becoming an adoptive parent.
4: So, well, it's my favorite story on earth to tell. So, um, when when I married, um, I married a, a little bit later than the norm. I was in my mid-30s and um, we had found it impossible to conceive. And so, we started looking into adoption as the way to start our family, as Colleen mentioned. Um, and so, when we actually um, were selected by a birth mother, since that's the way it happens these days, through mostly open adoptions, the birth mother selects the couple with whom she wants to work. And um, when we were selected by a birth mother, um, she gave me a call one day, which I am never going to forget. And she said, hey, Terry, I've been looking at your profile, your, your story, along with Dave. And... Um, I've decided that I want to work with you. And so we arranged to meet with her. And uh, she was at about four and a half months into her pregnancy. And so we walked with her for the last five, you know, four and a half Four and a half months of her pregnancy, um, we walked with her through those last that last half. We went to um, all of her doctor appointments. We went to we went shopping for maternity clothes. We went to lunch. We went to um, Lamaze class together. I was her coach during all that time, so we got to know her very well. And when she finally delivered um, this baby, uh, we were there in the hospital with her, to, and I was able to see my daughter born, and it was just a fabulous thing. What happened after that was equally as much a God thing as the actual being selected by this birth mother and then being able to witness the birth of my daughter is that afterwards over the coming uh, few years, it occurred to me very slowly, I guess I was a little bit thick in letting this sink into my brain, but it occurred to me how very rare it was that um, our teenage birth mother chose to make an adoption plan because most of them today either choose between terminating or parenting in their teens Mm -hmm. and so just the idea that she had chosen adoption for her baby and placed her baby in a good loving christian home um, was so incredibly rare that that's exactly why i started unplanned good to just encourage more people facing unplanned pregnancies to think about adoption
1: it sounds like there's a lot of um strong relationship focus in this too uh, in other words, I think sometimes, and, and, and Joanne Morris, maybe you can uh, touch on this, that we think of this as kind of being a very sterile, cold procedure, paperwork and dates and people and names and things of this sort. But, you know, just listening to Terry share her story, this is relationship Intense, too, isn't it?
2: Very much so. Very much so. Can I share my story, too? I started out the same way, uh, wanting to adopt a child. My husband and I uh, got off to a late start. We had our first child when I was 36. And we both came from big families, and we felt like we needed more children, but that it was unlikely that we would have another one. So I called the county and said, I'd like to adopt, and could I come on down and do whatever I had to do? And uh, the county said, oh, you're too old to adopt. You're 36, your husband's 40, and uh, that's too old. So I want to jump forward a minute and tell you that I'm one of the few people you know who's gotten older over the years because we adopted our son when I was 50,
1: so much for the county. So much for that.
2: But going back to our first adoption, we said, you know, if, we if we're if we too old to adopt, then we really um, want to do foster care. We want children in our home. We don't want to raise this child that we just had by herself. So... Um, We signed up to be foster parents, and a foster mom took me aside and said, if you really want to adopt, don't be discouraged. I have adopted six children. So I thought, wow, maybe I'm on the right track after all. And so the first child that was uh, brought to us as a foster child uh, did become adoptable, and um, she's our girl. She's just our precious daughter. So that's how... We got started on the adoption track. But the thing that I learned about foster care at the time was that um, these children are so beautiful and so um, compelling that even though we thought it unlikely that we would adopt anymore, we definitely wanted to have uh, a way of helping foster children beyond what we had done so far. So we did.
1: We're going to pause on that point, come back to more of our conversation. Joanne Morris, Colleen Marquez, and Terry Marcroft with us today in studio, looking at the concept right out of Scripture, life is holy. Today, our perspective on adoption, as this edition of Lifeline continues.
0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: Welcome back to Lifeline. Greg Roberts, along with our special guest today, we have uh, Joanne Morris with us today, founder of Help One Child, mission to children at risk. By the way, you can get more information on the web at helponechild.org. That's helponechild.org. O-N-E, also with us today is Colleen Marquez, the Outreach Director in the San Francisco Bay Area. On behalf of Bethany Christian Services, details on the web at bethany.org forward slash Bay Area. That's bethany.org forward slash Bay Area. We also have with us today in studio Terry Marcroft, who is the founder of Unplanned Good. And you can get more information on her organization on the web at unplannedgood.org. That's unplannedgood.org. Let me turn back to uh, Colleen Marquez from uh, Bethany. Uh, You, too, are an adoptive parent.
3: Yes, Uh, I am. Give
1: us a bit of your story, if you would.
3: Thank you. My husband and I started out. The normal way we thought we would have no trouble having children. In fact, we decided to wait a year before actually trying, not knowing that we would eventually go through four and a half years of infertility. That was very painful, month after month. And while everyone of our friends were going to baby showers, and I was going to baby showers, it was um, it was something that. Um, having children our, ourselves was just not happening as quickly and I never ever really thought about adoption for myself. In fact, I had almost to be honest, I would be I would hear that someone had adopted a baby and I would feel a little sad inside yeah. that oh that that's a sad situation. Child's parents chi- didn't want them There's a sadness care for them. and pain and I and and I never ever thought that adoption would be for me and then one day one of our dear friends who had journeyed along the infertility treadmill along with us but had actually gone through eight and a half years of infertility she and her husband decided that God was directing them to adopt and so they went forward with their adoption plan and before I even realized it they were holding a baby in their arms and they had adopted this little boy named Michael. And I was really challenged to look at this situation. I was, for the very first time, delighted and excited for my friend who had just embraced this new baby in her life. And I could really celebrate. And so I wanted to respond in a way where I gave a gift to I wanted to buy something or celebrate their new family in a certain way and I ended up going to um, a nursery not the kind of a baby nursery but a plant nursery because I thought I'd get them something very symbolic a plant or something and I, I happened along to see a special tree that was a, an apple tree that was a 3-in-1 apple tree and I thought, oh my goodness, what is this? And the guy there said, well, this is a tree that a farmer has taken, he's grafted different branches onto this tree to create different fruit on the same tree. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is an adoption tree. And so that whole subject of grafting became very real for me, and I got to see this tree the concept of this tree really was very um, important for me. So I bought the tree. I thought, this is a perfect adoption gift. And so I went home, and I'm creative. So I thought, how am I going to make a little card and give it to her? um, Give it to them and explain the symbolism behind this tree. Well, overnight, the middle of the night, I woke up with a story that I know God gave me. It was a children's story that I wrote um, for this family. And it's a story about a little apple tree that couldn't bear fruit, except for how the farmer grafted a growth bud onto her limb. And she was able to bear fruit from the gift that this farmer gave her. And it was this story that I wrote and gave to her. I spent all night long working on this. And my husband woke up in the middle in the morning, and he came out, and he saw me with paper all around. I had been writing and writing throughout the whole night. Um... I struggled with this one line. And the line was, from the moment the farmer grafted the bud onto Little Tree's branch, she loved it as her own. And I wrote it because it sounded poetic, it sounded right, but my heart didn't understand that deeply. But the more I edited that over and over again, by the morning time, God had truly changed my heart. And when my husband came to find me with paper everywhere, he... um, saw that I had a huge smile on my face and I said, honey, I think that we're supposed to adopt. Mm -hmm. That was the moment for me that my heart truly changed and we started on this course. That was January of 1994 when I wrote that story and 11 months later, we were holding our own beautiful daughter in our arms who was grafted into our family and as a gift from her beautiful birth mother. We got to see her being born, and so that's how we became a family.
1: The symbolism there, uh, Terry Marcroft, is beautiful, uh, because here we have the story of the Gravenstein and the Red Delicious and the Green (laughs) Apples all coming together. But it's interesting to note that they're all gaining their sustenance and their life, the same life source, the roots of that single tree, but all coming together. And I guess that kind of helps to also dispel uh, what I would suspect would be a, a frequent Misconception, And that is the idea, particularly with blended families, of an insider-outsider. Am I right? My kids, the kids that we had, then we adopted a kid, so there's the inside kid and the outside wow. kid. I, I mean, does that imagery that Colleen just shared really dispel that, that it's not us and then inside-outside, <laughs> it's all one?
4: The only time I've heard that perspective is from people who have not adopted. Because those of us who've been through the journey, there is no inside-outside Just we're all inside and we're all together, you know, so that I mean, whenever I talk to an adoptive mom and it's the same way that I feel that that girl is mine, there's there's no two ways about it. And and the fact that she was adopted, we don't say today this child is adopted. We say this child was adopted because it's an event in the past. And it's not necessarily impacting our daily life.
1: And as the kids get older, I mean, even the need to differentiate, is that really even part of the equation? It doesn't even
4: happen. I mean, the only way that it even comes up now is when people come up to me and say, Terry, you and your daughter have the same smile. And she and I just kind of look at each other and give each (laughs) other a wink, you know, because it's kind of funny.
1: And there is a dynamic of ministry here that's taking place, and I and I, I want to choose my words wisely here to not suggest to parents who do not have fertility challenges that have children uh, that it's any different or any less important in any wise. But I don't think in that circumstance that you get the sense that you're rescuing a child per se. When you have a child of your own, yet when you adopt a child, you know that sometimes that indeed can be the case. Whether it maybe is a child that potentially could have faced an abortionist had the mother decided the other way mm-hmm. and not understood the viability of what it would mean to place that child up for adoption, as it was the case in, in, in your family's case, Terry, mm-hmm. uh, or, or as uh, Joanne mentions, literally rescuing a child out of the foster care system where perhaps the birth parents may have issues with the law issues with drug abuse or for whatever reason just didn't have the skills necessary to care and raise up those children and so it's an interesting dynamic here because now all of a sudden we're not only looking at this in terms of what we can do for our family but in the process we're also doing something significant from a ministry standpoint for a young child life is holy as this edition of lifeline continues Welcome back to Lifeline and our look at Life is Holy Week. Of course, the theme continues throughout the entire week, and we'll tell you a bit later on what's coming up on the program tomorrow. Meanwhile, as we continue our conversation in studio with Joanne Morris, founder of Help One Child, Mission to Children at Risk, Colleen Marquez, Outreach Director of Bethany Christian Services here in the Bay Area, and Terry Marcroft, founder of Unplanned Good Incorporated. Uh, Terry, let me begin with you. Tell us a bit about your organization, and the service that you provide for parents that are considering becoming adoptive parents.
4: Okay, great. Well, unplanned good actually is a communication effort, and so what we do is put forth the idea that people facing unplanned pregnancy could consider placing that baby for adoption. Because today, the the sad fact is that ninety nine percent of them either terminate or attempt to parent, and when they're young or in their teens and not not equipped to parent. Um, our idea is just to su- suggest that they might consider adoption. Because so often, these girls never even let that thought cross their mind. Well, and
1: as we've heard in our conversation today, there are so many misnomers out there exactly. and misunderstandings, misconceptions that I guess at a level, it, it, is it any wonder?
4: It's, it's Sometimes it's not surprising, yet, yeah, depending on how you look at it. So we, we try to encourage them to consider making an adoption plan. And we call it unplanned good because we're implying that good can come Not only for the baby, but also for the adoptive parents and also for the birth parents because they can walk away from an unplanned situation and be whole and heal and know that they've done a very, um, they've given a very wonderful gift to the adoptive parents and they've given the gift of life to the baby, of
1: course. And with open adoptions, particularly in this day and age, that they can still be a part of that child's life. Yes. Um, Recognizing the value of that child created in God's image. Um, uh, giving deference to, to the, uh, the opportunity to place the child for adoption and yet still. Play a a role to varying degrees, obviously, in that child's life.
4: Exactly. And so we encourage these um, teenage um, pregnant girls to consider adoption. On our website, we have um, testimonials from adoptive parents, from people who have been adopted, and from birth parents who have placed their baby for adoption. And the theme riding through the birth parents' testimonials is that they did a very difficult thing purely out of love purely out of love for that baby. So when when anybody says, you gave up your baby, that's just such a crazy statement in my, in my, I have a reaction to it because it just seems crazy. Whereas actually the birth parents made a conscious, loving decision to place that baby mm-hmm. into a healthy, stable home. And it's it's, it's the ultimate act of love, I so
1: think. So this really for you is a, um, a big educational effort. Dispel a lot of myths, help to change the lexicon of how we discuss adoption, exactly, and uh, and help mothers understand what a wonderful opportunity in many respects this can be.
4: It's a fabulous opportunity, and the girls don't look at it that way. Giving life, sustaining life. Yes.
1: In spite of the fact that maybe you're in a circumstance where you can't care for the child in your own because you don't have the wherewithal, the, you know, your, the the opportunity, what all the things that are involved, exactly. and what it means to become a parent, you may not have all of that, but you can still have the love. Which transcends socioeconomic status, education, whether you're in school or not, whether the father is present in the child's life or not. Exactly, that love transcends all that, mm-hmm. doesn't it?
4: Yes, definitely. My 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 saying about our birth mother, my daughter's birth mother, is that she's my all-time favorite action hero. <laughs> she is just she's she's just such a fabulous role model, yeah. um, and I just am forever grateful to her for making such a courageous choice.
1: You can get more information, by the way, about uh, Terry's organization, Unplanned Good, on the web at unplannedgood.org or call at area code 408-656-1876. Do you go out and speak to churches?
4: I do. I do speak to churches or youth groups. Um, we've gotten into one or two schools. Um, and then, actually, the rescue conference coming up in San Jose is going to be another opportunity to talk to youth leadership, the leaders in high school and um And
1: colleges. So, pastors, if you want to take what you're doing in your church to the next level, inviting uh, Terry to come and share uh, at church would really, really be significant in so many ways. And you can reach out to her again on the web at unplannedgood.org or area code 408 656 1876. Joanne Morris, founder of Help One Child Mission to Children at Risk, tell us a bit about your organization.
2: Organization started with with my own need. Uh, I told you that we uh, adopted our first foster child, and after that, we took a couple of other children into our home as foster children. And one of the little girls was ADHD, and she was as cute as a button. And I had her twenty-four-seven, and she was just driving me mad. We couldn't go out anywhere um, to dinner. We couldn't find a babysitter who would watch her more than once. So. I said, we need help if we're going to do foster parenting, and all foster parents must need help. So let's start a ministry called Help One Child and see if we can offer services. Uh, First of all, look for homes for foster kids, and then um, provide some services for those families so that they can have a life and not just be uh, foster parents 24-7 and exhausted. So that's how it all got started. And uh, we've been at this 20 years. We had no idea when we started the real needs that the parents and the children have. Um, But as our kids grew uh, and the ones in our ministry grew, we started addressing every problem that came up as we saw it. And uh, we've provided an awful lot of parent education. And our monthly support group, which meets tonight, is has been gone ongoing since 1999. And uh, it's been truly... Um, a help uh, to me and my husband, and I think to an awful lot of other families. So, help,
1: support, facilitation, education, pretty the whole gamut the when it comes. The whole thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if folks want to get more information, uh, again, they can contact you. Uh, the website is Help One Child. One is spelled out, O N E. Help One Child. O R G. That's Help One Child. O R G. Or you can call 888 Kid Hope. That's 888 D H O P E. hope You have orientation classes. Uh, folks just have questions about, gee, how does this work? Or maybe they are current foster parents and they need a little mm-hmm. bit of help or encouragement or they want to make that transition from foster parenting into adoption and they have questions and they mm-hmm. maybe just need to have a shoulder to cry upon or somebody to say, hey, there's an easier way you right. guys can help.
2: Right. Where, where most agencies truly are 100% focused on the child, we are pretty much focused on the family, trying to help the parents do the job they need to do.
1: Give them the school, mm-hmm. skills and, and abilities that they need mm-hmm. to do a better job at mm-hmm. parenting. Makes perfect sense. Folks can get more information again. Call toll-free, 888-KID-HOPE or on the web at helponechild.org. Colleen Marquez, Bethany Child Services. Let's talk a bit about your organization.
3: Thank you. Bethany is the largest adoption agency in the United States. Uh, Started in 1944. And since we became licensed for adoption, there's been more than 38,000 placements made. With families. But Bethany is more than just an adoption agency. Bethany Christian Services is really a ministry. And we not only serve to connect families by adoption, but there's a large portion of Bethany that goes to other countries and serves and provides orphan care ministry. So there's that branch of, of, of Bethany. There's also international adoption that is served. Uh, for families who are looking for open adoption for international adoption.
1: So there are a number of options here. I mean we, we, I think in the traditional sense, think of adopting a child that comes from the Bay Area. But there might be folks that would say, we would like to, would God's put a burden on our heart for a particular country. Yes. And so you guys can help them facilitate the international adoption process.
3: Yes. In the Bay Area, we just opened up an office about a year and nine months ago. In the Bay Area we have a little office in Pleasant Hill and our focus is to connect ministries to really help the church and other ministries come together and wrap around expectant moms and give them options help them to understand that they do have choices they have choices that they can make and we want to encourage churches to really make help a help a woman make a life affirming choice and it's our job as a church community to do that. We need to not just say abortion is not a choice that we consider worthy of making. We need to help that woman and bring her into the fold, not make her feel that she's not welcome in our churches. We really need to support, not not just say this is wrong to do an abortion but we need to show a woman that we are going to support her as she makes a life affirming choice whether she's going to choose to parent or whether she chooses an adoption plan for her child and so the three parts of the triad the adoptive parents they're served by the services that we can offer at Bethany and same with the birth mom. A birth mom who goes through Bethany will receive lifetime counseling. And that's something that is different than someone who would go through an attorney to do an adoption. Um, and she will always have the support of Bethany. But we want to encourage the other services around and the churches to really uh, connect, work together, and share resources so that we can really stand for life. And we can really help a woman who's in in distress because we are trying to respond to the scripture in James that pure and genuine religion is to reach out to women, to widows in distress, and to help children and orphans, orphans. And in our industry, in this ministry area, this is this is an answer to that call.
1: Wanna get more information, you can contact Bethany Christian Services. telephone number, area code 925-826-5504. That's 925-826-5504. Or on the web at bethany.org forward slash Bay Area. That's bethany.org forward slash Bay Area. Back with more on this edition of Lifeline, Life is Holy. We continue right after this.
0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: Welcome back to our conversation, Joanne Morris, along with Colleen Marquez and Terry Markoff. We've been talking about the aspect of adoption. And as our conversation and our time together winds out, let me first begin with uh, with Terry Markoff. Terry, can the church do a better job in being on the forefront of this topic? Um, I don't know what the statistics are, maybe you do, of the percentage of Christian families that adopt versus those out in the, the so-called secular world. But I just have to wonder, is the church, is the body of Christ, Doing everything that it can and should be doing in what appears to be on the surface to be an amazing ministry opportunity.
4: I think, frankly, the church could be doing more. Um, I think that there's the the church. um, There has been a tendency on the pro-life side to get very emotional. And a little bit on the judgmental side. And if we could put ourselves in the shoes of these people facing unplanned pregnancies to just try to um, amp up our level of compassion and our level of productive conversation, constructive suggestions, encouragement, resources, support, all of that. If we could um, encourage these girls to consider adoption from the standpoint of this brings about really good things in your life, in the child's life, in the life of the adoptive parents, and to focus on the good that can come out of making this difficult choice. And if we were not shying away from making that suggestion, if we were um, more forthright in making that suggestion, um, my feeling is that a lot more people would actually consider it for themselves or also be in a position to advocate it because when your neighbor or your niece or your kid's cousin turns out to be pregnant, um, A lot of us adults who are 40 and 50-something need to be prepared to advocate the adoption Mm -hmm. path. And Mm -hmm. if we haven't thought about it before, it probably doesn't spring to mind right away in that moment of crisis. So getting ourselves ready to advocate adoption, I think, is one of the big suggestions I could make.
1: And, and, you know, Colleen was mentioning just before the timeout, and we we kind of touched on this earlier, the notion of the language that we use and the terms in which we couch things. And I think sometimes as Christians, you know, we we hear about someone who has... um, In an unplanned pregnancy, and our sense of righteous indignation, properly placed or otherwise, sort of swells up Mm. as well. This is outside the the God's perfect plan, and it should be within a marriage, and this, that, and the other thing. And so it's easy for us, in an effort perhaps to try to want to be God-honoring and righteous, to use language that is sort of the verbal version of the scarlet letter A, and is it any wonder then some women say, ooh, boy, I'm going always going to be the mother who turned the child up for adoption. And that sense that I had a child that I couldn't care for or I wasn't married at the time.
2: We've if I
1: have an abortion, it's quiet. I can kind of make this thing go away. Nobody has to know. And so I kind of spare myself all of that public embarrassment. Maybe, Maybe we as the church need to kind of rethink how we... Talk about these things.
3: Absolutely. I really, you've hit that right on the head. Uh, It is so sad when a woman finally decides that she, even though she can't raise this child by herself and she's not feeling prepared to be a mom at this time in her life, if she's making a plan to uh, make an adoption plan for her baby, oftentimes her own community, the people that love her the most, will discourage her and say, I don't know how you could ever do that. I would never do that. If I was going to go through pregnancy, I would would never do what you're doing. I could never do that. And so she's discouraged from doing an honorable, beautiful thing, making a plan for her child that she knows is really what is in the best interest of her child.
1: She's already made one mistake. And she knows that. I I don't think any of us have to go out and take out a billboard on the 880 freeway to explain that. She knows that. Mm -hmm. Now, sadly, sometimes I think with our language and sometimes even our sense of wanting to be righteous or or Mm -hmm. well-meaning, we lead her or sometimes force her into making a second mistake that is even more significant and more severe.
3: We know that abortion really does hurt women and that women do deserve better than abortion. What isn't told is the consequences of an abortion. When a woman makes that, it seems to be a convenient choice, but it it leaves a lifetime of regret that there really can be no hope for... um, I don't know if I would say there's no hope, but there's no hope for that child that was Mm -hmm. aborted. I think that when a woman has that child in her, she has an opportunity to give the best gift that she could ever give anyone and that's the gift of a birthday whether she chooses to parent that child or to make a placement, a a loving plan for that child she's giving that baby a birthday that that baby will grow and every birthday that that child experiences every cake, every candle that is blown out Is all because of that that woman's decision to make that choice for her. So we need to see
1: this as an opportunity to facilitate the honoring of life. Yes. Treating it with respect, acknowledging the fact that it is holy, as God has told us, and and that, Joanne, this is not second best. I mean, a lot of times we kind of treat it like that. Oh, isn't it a shame the child had to be adopted? Isn't it terrible that the child is in foster care? Um, But sometimes that's a good thing. Maybe we need to rethink even the way we approach that whole topic and realize that, you know, a lot of times maybe in terms of the bigger scheme of things, it didn't turn out the way we think it ought to ideally. Maybe it didn't necessarily fall exactly in line with God's plan outlined in Scripture. But if at the end of the day we accomplish honoring that life, protecting that life as God-given and holy, then maybe that is God's very first best
2: that may be, and um, I know in working with churches, uh, Help One Child has found them pretty much open uh, to the idea that we need to address foster children, but when we talk to people specifically, we say, this is not for everybody, this has to be a calling, this takes, um, this takes more than adopting a child or taking in the neighbor's child for a while. This is a commitment for a lifetime, and it's a very serious commitment, and you need to know that God is calling you to do this if you're going to be a foster parent or adopt a foster child. And I think that um, when people approach it that way, um, it's wonderful. And if they jump in just to be a do-gooder, Um, they will find out soon enough that that's not going to work. But you know there are a lot of ways to help foster families. And so for folks who don't feel like they are called to be foster parents, we say could you help a family that is because they need respite care, um, they need prayer, they need lots of things. And um, we have many volunteers who are just doing remarkable things with our families.
1: And what a delight when you can move from foster parenting to the adoptive opportunity mm-hmm. and how God can then be honored in, in such a significant way in an even whole new level. That's right. And that really is the focus of what we've been talking about today on the program. Uh, We'd like to thank Joanne Morris for being with us, founder of Help One Child. Information on the web at helponechild.org. Colleen Marquez, Outreach Director in the Bay Area for Bethany Christian Services. On the web at bethany.org forward slash Bay Area. And you mentioned to me before we came on the air today, Colleen, that there is another website. If women are right now in that unplanned pregnancy in that emergency they don't know what to do where to turn they don't know what the options are Uh, there's another website that you have that will get them direct information related to what they're facing
3: yes we have created a special place for you and that website is i it's the letter i the letter m pregnant.org and with that you will be able to receive counseling uh, you can chat with somebody. You can speak directly with somebody who can help you with options and answer any questions that you have.
1: And again, on the web at the initial I, letter M, pregnant.org. Also, our thanks to uh, Terry Markroft, founder of Unplanned Good. Information on the web at unplannedgood.org.